8 o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Should there be something that ties a college athlete to NIL to their school? That's kind of come up lately as some kind of contract, if you will, that they will stay at that school, receive NIL. I don't know how you make it happen. Also, your thoughts about the, the five plus seven, and then the and then the talk of, hey, well, let's go to fourteen. Yeah. Well, what you you just approved the twelve team playoff? You just college football playoff committee? Mm-hmm. You just did this? You know how this went? It was Jack Swarbuck. Athletic director noted. All right, what about 14? That's essentially, he was not even done signing his name. And I'm not saying it was him, but he's the only name I know off the top of my head. It's like, all right, and what about what about next? Why don't we just enjoy this one? Why don't we at least try 12 first before we start moving to 14? Or just move to 14 or just right. move to 16. I just don't – I'm with Mark on that. I don't get that. You just approved the 12-team playoff. You I, just did that a day or two before. I figured it out, I think. Okay. Is now they've signed their new TV deal for 12. They're going to wait until this is up to move to 14, but they're planning the seed for this new super streaming sports service or whatever. The, the Fubo suing. Yeah, the Fubo suing. They're planning the seed for them to up the rights fee because we're going to have two extra games. We're going to have 14 teams. Got to eliminate those 14. Got to eliminate teams 13, 14. And then they're going to sign that, and then they're going to lay the groundwork for 16. So they can't go straight to 16 because that leaves billions on the table for four years at 14. Oh, now according to to sources, the dominant discussion of a new model revolved around a 14-team playoff and left Wednesday's meeting feeling there was momentum. The bump from 12 to 14 teams opposed to 16 would mostly address the issue of access rather than finances. Mm -hmm. And officials still need to figure out how a 14-team playoff would split up automatic qualifiers. Could the Big Ten and SEC get as many as four automatic bids? And then, of course, it gets down to the money. Big Ten and SEC have made it clear. They made it clear that the next contract will be more favorable than the current one, where 80% of the money is split evenly among the Power Five leagues. Now it's four. And the Big Ten and SEC have a combined 34 teams. So they're saying, wait a minute. We've gotten bigger. We, we, we are who we are. We're the SEC and the Big Ten, top mm-hmm. two conferences in college football. We need to be compensated in a way that is commensurate with our our size and impact. Yes. It's just crazy that just, like I said, right after they approve a 12-team playoff, then, we, then the word comes out, well, maybe maybe 14. Let's, mm-hmm. let's yeah, do what about, uh, what about more? And now you have Pete Bavacqua. He is now the new athletic director at Notre Dame because Swirebuck has retired. Oh, naturally. And so that the CFP management committee, which is made up of of the commissioners and 
Pete Bavak, which to me, I have a huge problem with that. Notre Dame, go get in a conference. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know why the other why the other conference commissioners on this management committee why why the college football playoff committee just doesn't go to Notre Dame. Hey Notre Dame, there's plenty of conferences that would love to have you. Big Ten, we'd love to have you. Mm-hmm. ACC, you're already affiliated with the ACC. Go to the ACC. You've got to find a home. You've got to find a place where you play in a conference. Sorry, you're the. The, the, the novel, nostalgic days of you being an independent need to come to an end. If, right. you're gonna, if, you're gonna, if you're going to attend this party, that needs to end. That, that really should go away with we don't pay our college athletes because they're amateurs, student athletes, and this whole thing. All that should have gone away with conference rate. USC's in the Big Ten. Notre Dame should be in a conference somewhere. Yeah, they already have the tie to the ACC. That would, to me, Big Ten makes more sense because mm-hmm. it makes more sense geographically. But then again, who cares about that anymore since, exactly. since Washington and Oregon and UCLA and USC are joining the Big Ten. So that doesn't matter anymore. So geography is irrelevant here. The ACC, okay, they already they already have a connection. They played a year as a member of the ACC in football. Yeah. So they like could get into the college. Accident. So they could get into the college football playoffs. Yikes! It. I just. I just don't know why they tell Notre Dame. Sorry. Yeah. We don't care. We don't care about the Gipper. We don't care about Era Parsegian. We don't care about that stuff anymore. That's tradition. That's great. That's part of your history. I. I the Newt Rockney. It's great. Here in twenty twenty four. How we do business in, in the, with the college football playoffs, mm-hmm. you got to be a member of a conference, babe. The way it was is no longer the way it is. Yeah. And it's great that you have your, your little NBC TV deal. Mm-hmm. Maybe you find a way to still kind of keep that. I don't know how you do, but you know, maybe we might be willing to give you, let you finish yeah. that deal up. We're going to put Notre Dame, Georgia Tech on Peacock. That's what sure. we're going to do. We'll let you finish that deal. But then you're done. Or if they if everybody doesn't have an you know objection to them still having NBC, mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care if they, they still get their NBC money somehow. Whatever, whatever, however they make that work. But you're going to be a part of a conference because that's what the expectation is for everybody that participates in the college football playoffs. You are a member yeah. of a conference. You no longer no longer get to be the lone wolf. The cool, the, the cool kid that occasionally wants to hang out with everybody else when it means something to them like the college football playoffs. Right. They, don't, they only do it when it works for them. And that's the problem that Notre Dame has. But also, that ties in with everything else now in college football. Like, the SEC doesn't care about the health of college football. They care about the SEC. Yeah, but it's Alabama, the Big Ten. Big Ten. I mean, it doesn't Everybody. matter. Just to, just to, you know, Ohio State doesn't care about the health of college football. They care about Ohio State. You know, the quarterbacks, Quinn Ewers doesn't care about what's going to happen to Ohio State when he transfers to Texas. He's about him, which is fine. You know, Shadur Sanders, he's not really worried about Jackson State. He's not going to be worried about CU in no. seven and a half months when his season's over. Absolutely not. Sorry, seven, ten months when his season's over. I don't want him to get hurt, so he'll play the whole 
when his season's over, he's not going to care. He's off to the league. Like, so at one t- on one side of the coin, I feel Notre Dame should be admonished and forced into a conference. On the other side of the coin, they are not doing any different than anybody else in college. Football. Right. But then again, you're allowing them to do that, though. Yeah. The rest of Because they, they could easily say, sorry, Notre Dame, Johnny mm-hmm. Coppertz. Yeah. The rest of us are. Why, why, why do you get to be, like I said, the, the cool kid that uh, I'm, I'm not a part of a conference until, mm-hmm. oh, college football playoffs. Yes, I have to be there. You have to invite right. me to this. I, I need to have a seat at the table. And I think part of the reason that the committee is fine with the way it is right now is it's a little bit of the NFL. Notre Dame is important because they tell you they're important. But they know they're going to get more money, Notre Dame being by themselves, and the demand, then if Notre Dame gets into a conference in 10 years down the road, they no longer have that card to play of, hey, you know, Notre Dame gets in. Look at all the eyeballs they bring. You it's give them relevancy, Buckeye boy, by allowing them to have relevancy. Mm-hmm. It's, by, I mean, to me, let's, let's be honest. I, I, I like... It's the combine, but for college football. I like Marcus Freeman. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's a good guy. I appreciate the tradition and the history of Notre Dame. Right. That's great. There's a lot of programs that... I don't like them, but I appreciate, respect their tradition. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame is one of those. But when we look at, and I agree with Paul Feinbaum, are they going to are they are they going to be one of the best college football teams in the country in twenty twenty four? I think it'll be a top ten team, a top five team. Nope, I don't think. No, so. I think they'd be lucky to be a top a top fifteen team, maybe top twenty. Yeah, they got Riley Leonard going there now. Mm-hmm. And their new offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, from what I read, likes likes the deep ball. That's not a Riley Leonard thing. I just feel like with Notre Dame, it's they're great because we we say you know because Notre Dame says we're great, mm-hmm. and you have to buy into that and believe that. I just think there's now a point where stop coddling them, stop feeding their ego, stop pumping them up. This isn't 1945. Stop, stop acting like the 70s no, or the 90s. Or the 70s or the 90s. We knew we there. We put our pants on the same way we do. It's one at a time. One leg at a time. You thought, I don't know why I made him sound drunk. You sound like he sounds drunk, Lou Holtz. Yeah. That's I just think Notre Dame is not what they were when Holtz was there. They're, they're not what they were when Aaron Parsegian was there. Mm-hmm. Or Newt Rockney or any that's those those days are long gone. Right. So stop acting like you're something special. You're a unicorn and a special snowflake and something unique and wonderful. And we get special privileges that nobody else gets because we're Notre Dame. I find that to be a load of crap about them. Get with the program. Apparently independence doesn't matter for your teams basketball. Right. Doesn't matter in basketball. Doesn't matter in baseball. They're they're part. They're members of the ACC. And I think the thing is, is and there's a lot to this. So that's why I keep adding more. The independence helps them because they know they don't have to win a conference. They don't have to play a conference schedule. They don't have to get upset by a Clemson because they're in Clemson's schedule once every two years, and then they're knocked out of the college football playoffs. I think once you get to 16 or God forbid 32 or however many it keeps to grow, the chances are more likely that Notre Dame will finally get into a conference because 
the path is still there for them to get right. it as an at-large bird. And, and like, and I, like I said, I don't, I don't disagree with them trying to get theirs. Right. But here's the thing: Why does the CFP? Why do they let them do that? It's, it's mm-hmm. fine that they're trying to, you know, keep their NBC deal. Wait, I don't okay, blame fine. Notre Dame. Sure, Go I don't for it. But then, why are you letting them do it though? Right. That that this is to me, it's on the college football playoff committee of saying, "Sorry, guys, uh, mm-hmm. you're you're going to have to, we'll, we'll we'll give you time. Right. We'll give you the next two years to find to find a conference. But in two years, if you don't, you're not going to the college football playoffs. To because part of our it, criteria is you have to be a member of a conference to be in the CFP. To bring it home a little bit, Notre Dame is Russell Wilson, blaming him and only him. For the contract. I mean, Russ yeah. just asked, and the Broncos said yes. Sure. Notre Dame's like, hey, we're going to do it this way. And the college football playoff committee's like, yeah, all right, that works. So it's more so on the committee than and I agree. with you and with Notre Dame. It's like, Notre Dame, go get yours. I mean, I, somebody's going to say yeah. yes, do it. I, I agree. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to totally blame Notre Dame here. Right. They're just taking advantage of the system that's... Yeah. That's allowed them to do this. Like then why then college football playoff committee? Just say no. Why? Just say sorry, guys. Go to your local dare officer and just say no. And just yeah, just just you have two years, figure it out. We're we're not we're not going to be total jerks here, mm-hmm. and we're not going to pull the plug on you right away. We'll give you time. Right. Come on, this day and age, you can be in a new conference in like five days. Mm-hmm. Boom, that it's conference like that. could be completely different by the time you figure out which one you're going to. But we'll be nice and give you two yeah. years. You can still you can still have a path to the college football playoffs. I'll even be nicer and say the rest of your NBC deal. You got five years left. Okay. You know what? You can have the rest of that. But at the end, it's done. You're going our way, and you're going to join a conference, mm-hmm. and you'll be subject to their TV deal, and that's mm-hmm. and you're not going to unless you can negotiate a bigger chunk than the other schools. Yeah. You know, go for it. But you're going to join a conference, and that's how it is. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I just threw two years out. But, yeah, just do yeah. the, the end of the T- NBC TV deal because that way it doesn't totally blow up everything. D- exactly. Gives them time to, to reap mm-hmm. the rewards of that, fulfill the contract with NBC. And then NBC might be okay with that because they might be able to get into the college football playoff television market because we don't have to pay NBC on top of that. Exactly. That money can go toward us yeah. Airing I, CFP. I think we just you know, fix college games. football. Yeah. All right, 815. College football's fixed. It'll be on the podcast <laughs> at 1030 if they want to listen. Start of hour two. We move from college football to the NFL. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. And uh, next segment, we'll bring the Michael Wells interview. So it'll be coming up in uh, next segment. All right. So... For the Broncos, the debate about what they're going to do at number 12, going to get a quarterback, going to try to trade up, what, what, what's going to happen here? I find this interesting. This comes from, it's from Mile High Report, which that's not the interesting part, that Vikings announcer Paul Allen says the Broncos head coach Sean Payton is quite enamored with J.J. McCarthy. That according to... Paul Allen, uh, that he was on a podcast, that a pretty reliable individual of the weekend informed me that Peyton is quite enamored with J.J. McCarthy. And How would he know that? I'm just trying to figure that he, out. Because he talked to a dude. 
A dude that knows a dude that knows Sean Payton that says Sean Payton loves J.J. McCarthy. I can talk to my friend Mike, who's a Michigan fan. He'd be like, hey, this guy loves J.J. McCarthy. doesn't mean it's true. So here's no, the, thanks, here's the quote. Yep. Here's the quote from Allen. There is just a little bit of steam that has begun to emerge locally that Sean Payton loves J.J. McCarthy. Payton covets the next Drew Brees. So just keep that in mind, you know, when you're thinking 11 and you're thinking J.J. McCarthy at 11 and you know, you have how desperate, though, they're they're 12. They're not 11. Broncos are picking 12. What's he referring to 11 for? He, I don't know. Maybe he just is Maybe he, working off memory. I, have I no don't idea. know. I'm just like, because they have the 12th pick, not the 11th pick. And, you know, just you have to have how desperate Peyton, who basically will beg, borrow, and steal to get exactly who he wants from the draft from a quarterback standpoint or pretty reliable an individual informed me over the weekend that Peyton is really quite enamored with J.J. McCarthy. Okay. So who's the reliable source, Sean Peyton or Jim Harbaugh? The big khaki-clad doofus himself, who's now in division, by the way, speaking of enamored with J.J. McCarthy. And so you have that, and then you also have former NFL executive Randy Muller, was on a podcast talking about the draft and everything. And Mueller said that they're, look, whoever's going to get McCarthy is going to have to jump into the top 10 to get him. <laughs> really? Is he serious? And M- Mueller was, of course, the Saints previously. Um, so there's a New Orleans connection there. I. I like JJ McCarthy, but I don't. See I don't but I don't. See, I, he's a to me. He's a second round guy. He played in a pretty conventional offense for Michigan. The emphasis with Blake Corum and running the football. He's a good quarterback. I don't know if he's a first round quarterback necessarily. He's got a little bit of the Alabama issue where, where does he end, and the rest of the team being dominant around him begin? Agreed. How can you beat a team, and we give Penn State a lot of grief and James Franklin, how can you beat a team like that on the road, if I'm not mistaken, without having to throw a pass in the second half? I, I, yeah, like, how I'm, do you beat Penn State by two scores in Happy Valley with your quarterback not even having to work in the second half? And how is that on J.J. McCarthy? It's not like they went out and scored 100 points and they just coasted to a victory. They scored 24 points in that game, and he didn't have to throw a pass in the second half. I mean, his best game was against Purdue, where he threw for 335. That was the only game where he threw for over 300 yards in a game. How does J.J. McCarthy get credit for beating Penn State when he went 7 of (laughs) 8? He completed six more passes than... He threw for 60 yards in the game. Katron Allen, who's a running back. I, I mean, the, the touchdown-interception ratio, it, it's 22 to 4. It's That's that's outstanding. He but was very good. He had a 72% completion percentage. He was very good this year. But but it wasn't like J.G. McCarthy was the, the catalyst. Did he make big plays? Sure he did. Yeah, yeah. At times he made some big plays. But for the most part, it was it was the running. It was the right. offensive line. Blake, Blake Corum and a fantastic defense. Mm-hmm. 
that Ronnie led the way. Wilson. Yeah. Like, there's five other guys on that team that are the man for Michigan last year before we get to J.J. McCarthy. And so I look at those numbers and I just go, all right, he's, he's a nice little player. Mm-hmm. Second or third round guy, maybe. Not yeah, a first day two, sure. Yeah, not a first round pick, though. If Denver's trading up to get J.J. McCarthy, at Sean, Sean Payton, you you better get it right. You better be so sold that, that his ceiling is so much higher yeah. than what we saw I know. with him at Michigan. I know uh, a lot of people get upset with us when we say the show is better when the Broncos lose. They dr- trade up to draft J.J. McCarthy. This show is going to be great for the next five years. Oh. <laughs> no, it won't. It'll be great for one of us. Well, no, no. Because while I... It'll yeah. be the show will be good. It won't be fun. It'll be personal but misery be for me. I don't know. Maybe he'll be great. I for don't me, know. I, I just have to talk about a Michigan quarterback. I just don't. I just don't see him being a, a first either. round pick. I don't. And that makes me feel better because I can sometimes I can't tell whether it's my hatred or my objective eyeballs where I just don't get it. But when you say you don't get it too, you I have no dog get, in that fight. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't don't get it for anybody. I mean, I just, Mm -hmm. my Broncos, I don't get it for anybody. He's very good. And that's his ceiling. And that's fine. It's just, he's not a first-round quarterback. He screams backup, life for backup. We'll have the occasional game where he plays well. He'll he'll start over four games, and all of a sudden, you see the bloom come off the rose. Mm -hmm. You see teams figure him out. Matt Flynn. Yes. That's that, and maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe maybe he will be fantastic. But but, but how many Michigan quarterbacks? Once again, the pedigree, and it's not all on Jim Harbaugh. It goes back to Jim Beckler and others. It's a lot of including guys under his Harbaugh. including his former head coach who played mm-hmm. position at that school. I mean, Jim Harbaugh was a good NFL quarterback. He wasn't a great NFL quarterback. I don't think JJ McCarthy's ceilings as high as Jim Harbaugh's was. Boy, there's like Rick Leach and what was it uh, Drew Henson? Remember Drew Henson was Chad Henney. Chad Henney was was okay. Devin Brian Greasy. Gardner. Brian Greasy. Mm-hmm. Brian Greasy is one of the better quarterbacks they've had in the last probably 25 years. Yeah. I, I just I don't see it. Like Tom Brady's tenth all-time passing yeah. yards in Michigan history. Harbaugh's ninth. Yeah, and, and Brady was obviously had a phenomenal, insane Hall of Fame mm-hmm. GOAT career in the NFL. As a Michigan quarterback, he right. was good. But if you called it, you're a liar. Yeah. Just, Knew the whole time that Brady was going to yeah. win seven Super Bowls. You, I sir, are a liar. I never believe you. You're a dirty liar. So, J.J. McCarthy is fifth all-time in passing yards. Jake Rudock yeah. is 16th. He only played one year, and he's got 3,000 passing yards. And then Rudock ended up at Iowa? I believe so. Yeah, he was at Iowa. Made Cade McNamara, Denard Robinson. Who's in Iowa? Yeah. So, you know, wasn't there a stray McCaffrey at Michigan, too, for a little bit? Yes, yeah. But, like, you take a look at some of these guys, and they're just like... Dylan? I think it was Dylan. Yeah. So, some of them are like, yeah, all right. Rick Leach was the quarterback yeah, there in the 70s. I mentioned, mentioned Rick, Leach. Rick Leach. Broncos drafted him, I believe. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Because yeah. he was also a baseball guy. I think he went to the Tigers. Or I think he was. He played baseball, too. I think ultimately 
don't know if he ended up playing baseball. I'm uh, looking. I don't remember, but he was he got drafted in both. You nerd. He got drafted by the Tigers in Major League Baseball and never made the show. Look okay. at that. Some things we remember, <laughs> right? Don't know why. Just do. Yep. He was uh, a career 335 hitter. No, that's not right. In the uh, minors, he was a career 288 hitter. Did he make the majors? All right, I got to go look now. Now I'm on this thing. Rick Leach for the Detroit Tigers, Toronto Blue Jays, Rangers, and Giants hit 268 as a major league. That's not bad. To be honest, he's a better baseball player than he was a football player. Yes, he was. So... All right, so we continue around the NFL. A couple I'm other glad things. Glad we got that story. Yeah, got the got, we got the Rick Leach story figured <laughs> out this morning. Uh, also, Pro Football Focus has their uh, list of uh, free agents coming out. A couple of Broncos make that list for Pro Football Focus. Uh, one of them is uh, Lloyd Cushenberry the third, listed as the fifty seventh best player out of their top two hundred on that list. See if the Broncos still. Slap the franchise tag on him. Doesn't seem like that's probably going to be the case because they have they've talked up Alex Forsyth an awful lot. Younger Wasn't Quinn Miners playing some center too. At was some point as well. Last fall. He certainly was. And they also have Josie Jewell on this list as their seventy eighth top free agent. So a couple Broncos that uh, making that list uh, as far as potential free agency. One other final thing. Uh, before we wrap it up with here, uh, here wrap with around the NFL, that uh, Justin Fields, uh, he was on the St. Brown Bros podcast, says he doesn't want to be traded away from the Bears, but he knows that it's not really up to him. And so the odds makers right now, do you, who do the who has the best odds of getting Justin Fields? The Atlanta Falcons is what I'm going to say. Have you looked Final at this? Answer. I've article. not. Atlanta Falcons. That's the Steelers, follow, and then the Bears to retain him. If I'm Ryan Poles or whoever's the GM of the Bears right now, send a buddy to put 100K on the Bears <laughs> and then keep him. Exactly. The and, yeah, just, just split yeah. the proceeds there. Then I get the, uh, oh, Alabama receiver. Calvin Ridley, one-year suspension. So that'll be fun. Yeah, I, I've i heard a lot that the Falcons are going to be in the market. <laughs> Sorry. They're going to be in the market for Justin Fields. Sorry, I'm just reading a text I, of something. I saw just, your phone. I don't even know what it's about. Yeah, you don't, you, I'll tell you later. You don't want to know. Yeah, you, Great. Nothing for Nothing, nothing for, for air. air. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I've seen a lot to the to the Falcons. I don't, I don't know if the Falcons really want to do that. I don't know what their quarterbacks. I mean, Desmond Ritter... Is he have Taylor Heineke? Taylor Heineke. So their quarterback room is kind of sad right yeah. now. I don't know if Justin Fields makes that better. I do feel Fields I has made strides though. Which is sadder though? Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke, Jared Stidham, Ben DiNucci. Yes, that is. That's a push. That's <laughs> a very sad place. Just didn't Taylor Heineke get a court start a playoff game? Maybe. For yeah, Washington? I think he did. Yeah. All right, 828, and it's uh, time to play the Piles favorite game on a Thursday, which is... Were you right? Uh, yeah, I I actually need to come up with one. Oh, I, you don't have one yet. Yeah, I don't have one yet. Usually I'm ready to <laughs> okay. go. Okay. 
and I got distracted looking for sound check this morning. Okay, well, I'll give you some time on that. Give me that, three minutes for the how, commercial break. I'll have how, it on the other side. Well, why don't we just do this? Just do it next hour because we have a uh, we'll do Wrigley Field. Okay, cover sports trivia. I've got because yeah. I've got that ready right now. Perfect. I want to swap we'll the transition. Two. Yeah, we'll just swap the two. All right. So here's the question. Ah, Shaq. Avs have Detroit tonight. Uh, we will have, though, Nuggets, Wizards, because mm-hmm. we have Colorado Mesa baseball, and that will yep. only be ending when the Avalanche start. So here's the question. Between 1996 and 2002, this could be a number game question, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, between 96 and 2002, how many Stanley Cups combined did the Avs and Red Wings win? That's correct. Good job. Yeah, nailed it. But you're not eligible. Oh, bummer. But you are, Pyle. So uh, text in your answer right now. If you've won the last two weeks, don't play. And uh, if you have the correct answer, the first correct answer mm-hmm. at uh, on the team line, 970-242-1340. Get a $15 gift certificate to Wrigley Field, yeah. Grand Junction's original sports bar. And uh, it's located just east of Sam Palazio Field, it's right there on North Avenue. Very good endorsement to say, I'm willing to pay for my own lunch. That's how good, yeah. That's how yeah. good Wrigley Field is. You'd be willing to spend your own hard-earned cash yep. there. And they're the home of the 15-minute lunch guarantee. If you don't get your lunch in 15 minutes or less, it's half price. So first correct answer wins today. How many between 96 and 2002, how many Stanley Cups combined to the Abs and Red Wings win? So first correct answer wins today on the team line, 970-242-1340. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. All right, welcome back, 833. Jim along with the Buckeye boy. When uh, (laughs) Glenn Fry got really, really poppy. Really I just love the movie this song is in. What, Beverly Hills Cop 3? First one. Oh, the first yeah, one. Yeah, the truck chase. I'm looking forward to the new one. I saw the trailer of it. It's not mm-hmm. bad. It looks sneaky good, but it's going to make me sad, I feel. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. But Taggart and uh, looks so old. Yeah, because he is. Well, yeah, but... Makes I mean, me they sad. got Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. They, I guess that's, that's his partner. Isn't he supposed to be the next Batman or something? Wasn't that? Uh, he, he was in or other. He played James Blake, whose nickname was Robin, and they set it up at the end mm-hmm. of the last Batman film that he finds a bad like cave. Batman movies. Yeah, that he was going to be take over as Batman. Mm-hmm. All right, eight thirty-four. Uh, we don't have a winner yet, do we? No, we do not. Okay, so here's the question once again. From 1996 to 2002, the the great, the the glory period of the the rivalry between the Avalanche and the Red Wings. 96 to 2002, how many Stanley Cups combined did the Avs and Red Wings win? So, first correct answer wins today. Get a gift certificate to Wrigley Field on North Avenue. So, uh, Paul's guess is incorrect. Mm -hmm. We're not going to say the number. Nope. So send your answer in right now. How many cups combined between the Avalanche and Red Wings did they win between 96 and 2002? Send your answer in right now on the team line, 
1340. All right, uh, last night, the uh, Fruit of Monument boys basketball team, there was a lot of pressure on them, number one seed in the 6A tournament. A lot of chatter and message boards about, uh, yeah, I get it, the you know, people, yeah, I get the algorithm with the RPI and that they get mm-hmm. the number one seed, but they're not a legitimate true number one because of the league they play in, though. Montrose, yeah. Grand Junction, Central, Durango. Durango they all, all made it. They all went to the postseason. But I get Junction it. won. Junction and, pelted. And, and Junction North. hammered Denver North last night. I get it. The conference isn't as deep as some, like the Continental that Highlands Ranch plays in, where they have the two and the three seeds, Mountain View and, and Chaparral, that play in that conference. But Fruit of Monument, you don't go out and run the table in the regular season without being a pretty darn good basketball team. And so there was some pressure on them last night. But the Wildcats, uh, they, they were down by 14 in the first half, cut it to six at halftime. Then the second half, fourth quarter, they go on a 21-2 run. Big dunk by Daniel Thomason helped to, to motivate them during that stretch. And then the, uh, the three-pointer that gave them the lead. Where they could have got the lead, Jet Wells drives inside for a layup when they're down by one. Gets the layup, looks like he's going to have an and one. They call him for an offensive foul, but then ultimately hits a deep three, gave the Wildcats their their first lead with about 350 left to go. They would never look back as Fruta gets the, the victory last night over Highlands Ranch to move on to the 6A Sweet, Sweet 16. After the game, I had the chance to talk with uh, Wildcats coach Michael Wells about the win. Today here at Fruta Monument High School, 55-43 your final. The top seed of Wildcats knock off the 32 seed, Highlands Ranch. Highlands Ranch hit some big threes early on, but Fruto Monument prevails tonight to move on to the Sweet 16. So we'll try to grab Michael Wells in just a moment. Great victory for his Wildcats in this one tonight. Now 24-0. As they remain undefeated, and they head to the next round. Michael Wells over talking with Highlands Ranch coach Jordan Carter. So grab Michael Wells. And Michael, join us right now, throws the headset on. And Michael, uh, early on, their press got to you. They, they outshot you from the three-point line, five to nothing. What was the message at halftime? Because certainly you figured out some things, some answers to their pressure, and that ended up being a big factor. I thought Max Orchard, while he only had five points, huge points down the stretch, got in the glass hard. Jet Wells played great. Daniel Thompson great, played great. But Max Orchard all night battled on the glass, came up with some big points late for you. Well, after I had a, a disagreement um, about the way the game was being called, mm-hmm. I thought our guys made a really good run. Um, and I just told him at halftime, I said, for as poorly as the first part went, we're down six, guys. We're right where we need to be. Um, and, you know, we, we didn't do not anything we practiced the entire first half against their press. I mean, not anything. And so we just kind of refocused on where we were supposed to be, what we were supposed to do um, in, in terms of what that was supposed to look like. And, and they did a good job um, executing it in the second half. I thought at times Jed kind of put this team on his back a little bit, hits that three to give you guys the lead. I thought he played a heck of a game for you tonight, Michael. Yeah, and, I mean, he left five or six on the free throw line that yeah. he doesn't normally do. But um, I, I tell you what, he was tired. I don't know that he was out much. Um, and, you know, we, we told the guys, it's like, you can't leave any left in the tank, 
you know, if, if you want to win. And, uh, you know, God, the guys just battled. Good grief, they just battled. And then DT got in a little bit of foul trouble mm -hmm. and responds with a game high 20 points. That, that thunderous dunk, that really changed the, the momentum of this basketball game. And just another great performance by Daniel Thomason. He really did. You know, we, we knew these guys when they penetrated, they, they faked, they pivoted, they, you know, shot faked a lot of the stuff we talked about staying down staying down staying down and and we didn't and that's what got him in foul trouble in the first half and you know again that was just part of that nerves part of that chaos that they created early and and once we kind of settled down then you know we we played how we wanted to the guys really executed the stuff and and uh you know we we turned the tide dt's dunk and jets three to give us the lead and um you know it was kind of done from there yeah i just thought some tremendous performances tonight for your basketball team led by Daniel Thomason's 20. Jet finishes tonight with, with 18 points. And like I said, Max Orchard with some big foul shots, three down the stretch, a field goal. Doesn't score until under a minute left to go to really help you guys seal the victory tonight. So move on to Sweet 16. Thoughts about the next round. We'll be here Saturday. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've got to get a lot of rest. We've got to dive back into the film, and, and we've got to find a way to have a better start. Um, you know, it, it, both teams we've seen, um, on film we played broomfield early in the year so i don't i don't know who we're going to get between broomfield and uh um overland but shoot broomfield had us down 12 in the fourth quarter at the centaurs turn we end up having to come back to beat them in overtime so they're a really good team you know overland's a really good team and like i said we got to have um, we've got to have a better start um and not make it quite so uh hard on coaches so ticker. challenging yeah <laughs> 84 79 you beat broomfield by the way in overtime in that one so uh you're now you look at the record you're you're 24 and 0 you get the first win in the as the number one seed in the 6a state tournament so just kind of your thoughts about those two those two things converging here in this opening win well you know one of the things that you think of as a coach is you know you hate to have a perfect season and then you know give up the virginia 116 upset <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs but it was it was a real possibility with the type of team that highlands ranch came and uh, I, I knew they wouldn't be afraid of us, and they weren't. You know, we had to settle down and play. And always good to get that first one under your belt. And I think the thing that, you know, we're going to benefit from is we worked all season to get in that top eight. So we'd have this second one at home. And now we got another chance to play in front of our fans and, and have somebody else get in the bus and take the long ride over. So. All right, Michael. Congratulations. Great victory for your team tonight. Thank you. All right. So that's Michael Wells after the game last night. And they will get Broomfield who uh, they beat in overtime in their fourth game of the season uh, in a tournament over in the front range. So that's who the Wildcats get uh, coming up this Saturday. And uh, 7 o'clock, that game time has already been set, and uh, we'll have it over on 1100 KNZZ starting at 645 because we'll have coverage of Colorado Mesa basketball at CSU Pueblo during that uh, time here on the team. All right, 842. Jim along with the, the Buckeye boy. Text or call us, 970-242-1340. Do we have a winner yet for a Wrigley Field Kind of a sports trivia. Yes, we do. Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Lee correctly identifying five cups in that six-year stretch between the Avs and the Dead Things. Sadly, the Red Wings won three, the Avs won two. I'm almost certain they cheated, though. I think so, too. At least one of them. I think so, too. I think you're right about that. All right, 843 coming up next. It's our team's team of the week brought to you by Rick Nelson, American Family Insurance. That's on the way next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. 
You are listening to The Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. It's the team's team of the week on The Jim Davis Show. It's time for team's team of the week, brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance. For a free comparison, call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. And our team's team of the week is the Mesa Junior 17 volleyball team. They competed in Las Vegas recently. 132 teams, and the Mesa Juniors team finished fifth out of that group. It's comprised of Western Slope players, a lot of them from here in the Grand Valley. And Ara Norwood is the coach of the Mesa Juniors. Ara, I appreciate the time. You're on the road today with the CMU Beach Volleyball team heading out on a, on a roadie with the Mavericks. Um, yeah, yeah, we're on the road, headed out for our opening weekend for the beach team. Um, but yeah, the Mesa Juniors program this last weekend, I was super proud. They showed up, and it was a lot of fun to see how much talent is on that team. Well, like I said, you finished fifth out of 132 teams, and uh, Addie Ritterbush from Palisade and Braley McCaskill, uh, Lizzie Snover, uh, Delaney Brinkley, uh, Sarah Foster, and Grace McEnany, also from Fertile Monument, Campbell Brammer, and Delta is represented by Audrey Frazier. Uh, some of those uh, players I mentioned uh, with Campbell Brammer and Addie Ritterbush and Audrey Frazier play basketball too. How do you how do you make that work with the kids in basketball season while you're also doing uh, your club volleyball season? Um, it, it definitely is tough. I have to play some give and take with them, um, but I'm a full support for doing both programs. When I was in high school, I did basketball and volleyball at the same time in high school, so. Um, I they show up late to some practices, um, but they make it work for tournaments on missing games or whatever it is. So they do a very good job of balancing both, and I'm full support for them. And I'm I'm actually really grateful and proud of them because it's so hard to do both programs. Like you want to give your all for both, and they do a really good job of putting all their effort in basketball and talking to me about what they need, and yeah, then giving me all all I can get out of them from our volleyball side. Yeah, no doubt about it. All three of those players uh, just recently playing uh, in the uh, the state basketball tournament in their respective uh, classifications. So back to your volleyball team, though. Uh, we're talking about 132 teams from across the West, across the nation. What was this tournament comprised of in terms of, of, of regional teams? Um, it's everywhere. We played um, a team from Hawaii. Um, there's teams from California. There's a lot of ones from California, but you get some from Florida. I know that there was an Alaska team there, so you name it. Oh, there was also a Canadian team, so we also played one out of the country that came down and played in our group, so it's kind of fun to see all the variety. Um, Everybody has their own style of volleyball, and every coach has their own style, so it was fun to see how they um, react to different styles of volleyball. We're talking with Ara Norwood. She's the coach of the Mesa Junior 17 uh, club volleyball team that uh, recently finished fifth at the Las Vegas tournament out of 132 teams. Uh, the Mesa Juniors, I'm sure not the only Colorado team. Who else was there representing uh, the Centennial State? Yeah, there is a, a couple couple all around. and um, There's another club here in Junction that was also there, but um, yeah, we were pretty happy not to face another Colorado team and have the variety of other states in there. Sure, finishing fifth uh, shows uh, how good the program is with Mesa Juniors. It's the longest club volleyball program in the Grand Valley. I mentioned some of those players uh, from Palisade and, and Campbell Brammer from Fruno Monument and Audrey Frazier from Delta. Uh, 
give me a sense of some of the other players. Talk about some of the other individuals you have on the team that uh, maybe had a really good tournament out in Las Vegas or just have kind of led the way for your Mesa Juniors team. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, Sarah Foster, Bradley McCaskill, Addie Rick, um, a few others, Grace. Um, all of them are from the 17s age group. Um, yeah, all from Palisade there. Um, Lizzie, my uh, Lizzie Silver is my libero, and she is a freshman. So I was really happy to see how she plays in that upper division. I sometimes have to have patience with her. I forget because I, I, I just put her in that 17s group, so I forget that she's still a freshman. So I was pretty happy to see how she stepped up to the plate um, in Vegas, seeing all those teams. And then also Campbell Brammer is also a uh, uh, only a sophomore, so that was really cool. She um, pulled through on the outside and had some big kills and big moments for us when we needed it. Yeah, your team going 8-1 and one on the weekend to have that, that fifth-place finish out in, in Las Vegas, and certainly I think you, you mentioned Palisade. Uh, Winnie McCaskill, the Bulldogs head coach, has uh, helped you uh, coach the team. She's your assistant, and you know the four straight trips to the state tournament, uh, the, the, the success that Wendy's had there, and some of those same players obviously playing for you, uh, speaks to uh, having a successful uh, club season with having that kind of talent from Palisade. Yeah, yeah, you can see the style that Wendy puts in there. It's really fun to come into that and already know that the girls can go in any position at any time, and I can tell them something, and they do it right away. So coachability factor is really cool there. Um, and it's nice. Wendy's my assistant, so she gives me the range to make decisions or make calls, and then she supports me in giving uh, feedback, ideas, how to make a rotation better, stuff like that. So it's kind of nice to have that second um, hand on the helping me on making sure that the girls get what they need. We're talking with Ara Norwood, the coach of the uh, Mesa Junior 17 Club Volleyball team. They went 8-1 the Las Vegas tournament, finished 5th out of 132 teams. So you're with the CMU Beach Volleyball team to open the season. What does the rest of the season look like uh, for the for the Mesa Juniors and, and, and what they're doing moving forward? Um, so we have an uh, Indianapolis trip coming up. We only have three or four tournaments, um, but our next two are Indianapolis in March and then um, Salt Lake City showdown in April, which unfortunately I'll actually be with the CMU Beach team at Nationals in April 12th to the 14th. So I'll have to be away from my team that time. But I'm looking forward to Indianapolis with the having this first tournament under our belt and already knowing what to expect because you walk into that gym and it's loud. There's thousands of volleyball players all around you and the competition and Already having that under our belt and that experience, I'm pretty excited to see what Indy looks like. Well, congratulations, Ara, on a on a great uh, you know a great run out at uh, the the Las Vegas tournament. We you know, eight and one finished fifth out of those 132 teams. And good luck to the CME Beach volleyball team as you start the season. I I appreciate the time today. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Mesa Junior program and seeing where they go here. And thanks for having me and let me talk about them. All right, that's our team's team of the week, brought to you by Rick Nelson and American Family Insurance. So, our uh, Norwood and uh, her uh, Mesa Juniors volleyball team, uh, an outstanding performance out in Las Vegas last weekend. All right, coming up next hour in the program, we'll uh, give you a chance to play the Piles' favorite game on a Thursday, which is, of course, I can get this to go. That's coming up next hour. Also, Codron Mesa baseball coach Chris Hanks. And Mavericks second baseman Jonathan Gonzalez, who's off to a sensational start for the Mavericks this season. And uh, just a quick reminder, by the way, we'll have Maverick baseball today 
Uh, Buckeye will be joined by Ray McLennan over at the Diamond, the Bergman Sports Complex, as the Maverick baseball team takes on uh, Northwest, Northwest Nazarene. So uh, Maverick's coming off the, the four-game sweep at home last weekend against Montana State Billings. They get another GNAC team today in uh, Northwest Nazarene. Once again, our coverage starts at 1.45 today, first pitch at 2 o'clock from the Diamond, the Bergman Sports Complex, and it's brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. All right, so all that coming up next hour. Also, we'll go in the garage with NASCAR Fred, brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. Uh, we didn't exactly, none of us had a great Daytona 500. One of us, me, had the still worst. Still waiting for him to go around. Brad Kozlowski is still limping around the track. Here he comes. By himself. They shut the lights off. Jim Brockmeyer's out there. Yeah, he's just out there walking. Here comes Kozlowski. Mm-hmm. Dead freaking last. Yep. The lights are off here at Daytona. Dead freaking last. All right, so that's coming up next hour in the program, along with uh, Four Down Territory and this day in sports history. So if you got some thoughts on the high school basketball action from last night, uh, you can text it in to us. Give us a call, 970-242-1340. As uh, Fruit of Monument boys, Grand Junction boys, and Montrose boys all pick up wins last night to move on.